0: We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes.
1: Come, you masters of war. Here yeah, that build the big guns, here yeah, that build the death planes, here yeah, that build all the bombs, here yeah, that hide behind walls, here yeah, that hide behind discs. I just don't want you to know I can see through your masks. You that never done nothing but build to destroy. You play with my world like it's your little toy. You put a gun in my hand and you hide from my eyes then you turn and run farther when the fast bullets fly like judas of old you lie and deceive a world war can be won you want me to believe but i see through your eyes and I see through your brain Like I see through the water that runs down my drain You fasten all the triggers For the others to fire And then you set back and watch When the death count gets higher you hide in your mansion while the young people's blood flows out of their bodies and is buried in the mud. He's thrown the worst fear that can ever be hurled. Fear to bring children. Into the world Before threatening my baby Unborn and unnamed You ain't worth the blood that runs in your veins How much do I know I a talk out of turn you might say that I'm young You might say I'm unlearned But there's the one thing I know I'm younger than you and even Jesus would never forgive what you do Let me ask you one question Is your money that good, will it buy you forgiveness, do you think that it could, I think you will find, when your death takes its toll, all the money you made will never buy back your soul. And I hope that you die And your death will come soon I follow your casket By the pale afternoon I watch while you're Lord Down to your deathbed and I stand over your grave, and I'm sure that you did.
2: Come and take my eldest son, show him how to shoot a gun, wipe his eyes if he starts to cry when the bullets fly. Give him a rifle, take his hoe Show him a field where he can go To lay his body down and die Without asking why Soldiers who want to be heroes Number practically zero But there are millions Who want to be civilians Over in England, down in Spain Off in Korea's driving rain Men have died this century To keep the people free Bigger cannons by the scores being built for future wars Now fill every armory On both sides of the sea Soldiers who wanna be heroes Number practically zero But there are millions Who wanna be civilians God, if men could only see the lesson taught by history That all the Germanys and the Guams can't be bought by bigger bombs Why can't men of goodwill stay in the fields they have to till Feed the mouths they have to fill and give away their arms Soldiers who want to be heroes, number practically zero, but there are millions who want to be civilians. Soldiers who want to be heroes, number practically zero, but there are millions who want to be civilians. We're
1: at war in violation of the Constitution of the United States. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution specifically provides that only Congress has the power to declare war. No president has the right to send American boys to their death on a battlefield in the absence of a declaration of war. But one thing I do know, and that is we're going to be bogged down in Southeast Asia for years to come, if we follow this course of action and we're going to kill thousands of American boys until finally let me say the American people are going to say what the French people finally said they've
3: had enough.
4: There's a war in Iraq, fa la 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 la. There's a war in Cyprus too. There's a war in Ghana, fa la 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 They are rioting in Panama, fa la 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 la. They are bombing in Aden too. Things were never bleaker in Tanganyika. <laughs> they are hanging people in Cuba. I died did a They are hanging people in South Africa as well. There's disorder on the border of Thailand, Fallah. And there's more in the Congo, too,
5: Sulu.
4: Things were never less chittier, more infidier, in the interior of Algeria, Fallah, la, da 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 Skirmishes in Laos, fa-la-la-la-lee, just how merry can we be? There's hysteria, insidia, fa-la-la-la-la, and always it's understood. There's a hydrogen bomb, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la, that can end this song for good.
6: Over to Vietnam, Southeast Asian, Birmingham Well, training is the word we use Nice word to have in case we lose Training a million Vietnamese To fight for the wrong government and the American way Well, they put me in a barracks house Just across the way from Laos they said you're pretty safe when the troops deploy But don't turn your back in your house, boy When they ring the gun Watch out for the Viet Cong Well, the sergeant said it's time to train So I climbed aboard my helicopter plane We flew above the battleground A sniper tried to shoot us down He must have forgot we're only trainees. Them commies never fight fair Friends, the very next day we trained some more We burned some villages down to the floor Yes, we burned out the jungles far and wide Made sure those red apes had no place left to hide Threw all the people in relocation camps Under lock and key Made damn sure they're free well, to walk through the jungle around the bend, who should I meet but the ghost of President Diem? Said you're fighting to keep Vietnam free for good old democracy. That means Robo one family and 15,000 American troops, give or take a few thousand American troops. He said, I was a fine old Christian man ruling this backward Buddhist land. Well, it ain't much, but what the heck, it sure beats hell at a Chiang Kai-shek. I'm the power elite, me in the seventh fleet. He said, meet my sister, Madam Nu, the sweetheart of Dnbn food. He said, meet my brothers, meet my aunts, with a government that doesn't take a chance. Families that slay together, stay together. Said if you want to stay, well, you have to pay over a million dollars a day. But it's worth it all. Now, don't you see, if you lose the country, you still have me. Me and Sigmund Reed, Chiang Kai-shek, Madame New. Like I said on Meet the Press, I regret that I have but one country to give for my life. Well now, old DM is gone and dead. All the new leaders are anti-red. Yes, they're pro-American freedom sensations against red China and the United Nations. Now all the news commentators and the CIA are saying, "Thank God for coincidence."
0: Since 1955, when the US filled the vacuum left by the French with a handful of US military advisors and military aid of under $50 million to assist the government in becoming a bulwark against the Communist North, the US commitment there has escalated to 125,000 men and military expenditures of over a billion dollars for fiscal 1965. General, in the beginning, Our participation in this war was strictly limited to advisory capacity and economic aid. It's gone way beyond that now. What is the difference in the nature of the war due to that change? Progressively, the the growing relative strength of the
3: Viet Cong simply have have developed the necessity for aid across a wider spectrum. And as that necessity has been verified, we've been willing to, to meet it. And I would say that's simply consistent with the statements made by our government that we're here to do whatever is needed as long as it's needed. And those things we're doing, experience has proved to have been needed.
0: General, France failed here. Is there a danger that we may make the same military mistakes that France did? Well, I'm sure the
3: communist propagandists will try to compare us to France and draw analogies. Uh, Personally, I see very few. The only thing is we're both basically Europeans and white, but as you say, everyone knows, certainly the South Vietnamese know that we are not colonialists, we're not here to take over anything, we want nothing permanently in South Vietnam. But we have the great advantages, first in the military sense, of better equipment, better firepower. We have mobility, we've solved the problem of moving around the jungle by our helicopters and by our aircraft. So on the technical equipment, uh, professional military side, we have advantages the French never had. And finally, most importantly, we have the South Vietnamese people on our side. We're not fighting against the Vietnamese people, we're fighting with the Vietnamese people.
7: Oh, Sergeant, I'm a draftee and I've just arrived in camp. I've come to wear the uniform and join the Marshall Tramp. And I want to do my duty, but one thing I do implore You must give me lessons, Sergeant, for I've never killed before To do my job obediently is my only desire To learn my weapon thoroughly in how to aim and fire To learn to kill the enemy and then to slaughter more I'll need instruction, Sergeant, for I've never killed before Now there are rumors in the camp about our enemy. They say that when you see him, he looks just like you and me. But you deny it, sergeant, and you are a man of war. So you must give me lessons, for I've never killed before. Now there are several lessons that I haven't mastered yet. I haven't got the hang of how to use the bayonet. If he doesn't die at once, am I to stick him with it more? Oh, I hope you will be patient, for I've never killed before. And the hand grenade is something that I just don't understand. You've got to throw it quickly or you're apt to lose your hand. Does it blow a man to pieces with its wicked muffled roar? I've got so much to learn because I've never killed before. Well, I want to thank you, Sergeant, for the help you've been to me. You've taught me how to kill and how to hate the enemy. And I know that I'll be ready when they march me off to war. And I know that it won't matter that I've never killed before. I know that it won't matter that I've never killed before.
8: five foot two and he's six feet four. He fights with missiles and with spears. He's all of 31 and he's only 17. He's been a soldier for a thousand years. He's a Catholic, a Hindu, an atheist, a Jain, a Buddhist and a Baptist and a Jew shouldn't kill and he knows he always will kill you for me my friend and me for you and he's fighting for Canada he's fighting for France he's fighting for the USA and he's fighting for the Russians and he's fighting for Japan and he thinks we'll put an end to war this way And he's fighting for democracy, he's fighting for the Reds He says it's for the peace of all He's the one who must decide who's to live and who's to die And he never sees the writing on the wall But without him, how would Hitler have condemned him at Dachau? Without him, Caesar would have stood alone His body as a weapon of the war And without him all this killing can't go on He's the universal soldier And he really is to blame His orders come from far away no more
0: administration in the unstable South Vietnamese government gives us perhaps one of our most serious problems. So says former college president Dr. Harold Taylor, who feels the American commitment is wrong. This is not at this moment a representative government for the South Vietnamese. It is a pro forma, military political unit, kept in power by American money and social and military prestige and power. It cannot be tell us anything about the South Vietnamese people. Professor Brown. As you know, one of the main uh, lines of propaganda which the front has always used, or which the Viet Cong has always used, is that the Southern governments are just puppets of the United States. Now, it seems that the most rabid anti communists in the South also accept this reasoning. They feel that the United States controls the governments, not necessarily the day-to-day operations of the government, but uh, nevertheless that the United States is in a position to see that no government, which would, for instance, Asked the United States to leave and try to neutralize Vietnam or to reach a uh, modus vivendi with the Viet Cong without the Americans playing any role, that no such government could ever come to power because the Americans would see to it that it did not. Uh, and this is a widespread feeling that I get from people who are pro-American and anti-communist, but they nevertheless feel the Americans now have this control over their government and they feel very despondent about it. Former newspaper editor of the Saigon Post, Tran Lee Tick.
9: Suppose if tomorrow the, the U.S. troop would pull out of here, of course, I mean, the whole thing would collapse. Within a matter of hours, if you pull out, matter of hours, the carnage will be here,
6: and that's the end of it. I got a letter
10: from LBJ, it said this is your lucky day, it's time to put your khaki trousers on. Very queer We've got no job To give you here So we are sending you To Vietnam Lyndon Johnson Told the nation Have no fear Of escalation I am trying Everyone to please Though it isn't Really war We're sending 50,000 more To help save Vietnam from Vietnamese I jumped off the old troop ship and sank in mud up to my hips. I cussed until the captain called me down. Never mind how hard it's raining. Think of all the groundwork gaining. Just don't take one step outside of town. Lyndon Johnson told the nation, have no fear of escalation. I am trying everyone to please. Though it isn't really war, we're sending 50,000 more to help save Vietnam from Vietnamese. Every night the local gentry slip out past the sleeping sentry. They go out to join the old VC. In their nightly little dramas, they put on their black pajamas and come lobbing mortar shells at me. What Lyndon Johnson told the nation Have no fear of escalation I am trying everyone to please Though it isn't really war We're sending 50,000 more To help save Vietnam from Vietnamese We'd go around in helicopters Like a bunch of big grasshoppers Searching for the Viet Cong in vain Note that they had gone, had to get down to Saigon Their government positions to maintain And Lyndon Johnson told the nation Have no fear of escalation I am trying everyone to please Though it isn't really war We're sending 50,000 more To help save Vietnam from Vietnamese Well here I sit in this rice paddy Wondering about Big Daddy And I know that Lyndon loves me so Yet how sadly I remember Way back yonder in November When he said I'd never have to go When Lyndon Johnson told the nation Have no fear of escalation I am trying everyone to please Though it isn't really war We're sending 50,000 more To help save Vietnam from Vietnamese
0: It is through this government That we are siphoning not only our military assistance But our economic aid Over a million dollars worth a day Trying to raise the educational, agricultural And economic standards of life One foreign aid administrator former army advisor to the Vietnamese, now a civilian, Colonel John Paul Van.
3: In all of these programs, we're trying to improve the communications between the government of Vietnam and its own people. And to the extent possible, all programs are implemented through Vietnamese. Uh, We Americans want to stay in the background just as much as possible.
0: We're trying to work ourselves out of a job, in other
3: words? Very, very correct. We want to be the catalyst that gets these programs going But we want always the government of Vietnam to get the credit for them.
0: All wars have their ironic contradictions. The war in Vietnam outdoes them all. For example, the American taxpayer is spending over a million dollars a day through our foreign aid program to develop this country. At the same time, we are spending about three million dollars a day on a war which inevitably destroys the very things we are trying to build.
11: I'm coming
9: Do it, so they put me right to it, then they sent me on an aeroplane My destination, dang dang Vietnam Now I'm a fighting for the USA, oh glory in the USA If you don't like it cause I'm over here in Vietnam Well you can take your pants you? to my Uncle Sam I get to shoot my rifle like he taught me to do I doing exactly what he wants me to Cause well, I'm a soldier fighting for the USA Stepping on vegetables and squashes, ducking bullets coming at me from the trees, jumping round, knocking holes in my knees. Bullets flying rightly. I've got to scared and half to death, but I know the job has gotta be done. And that's why they sent me over here to Vietnam. I got captured by the Viet Cong, and for a while I thought I was gonna get home. But they just beat me on the nose, kind of mashed all my toes all the time. He had a Yankee go home. Well, they stretched me, they squashed me, tried to brainwash me. But I snuck away. Then I popped up a fight again for the USA. Now I'm a-fighting for the USA. The red, white, and blue American way. If you don't like it, cause I'm over here in tears now, well you can take your complaints, to mind's for Sam. I'm just a shooting this rival like he taught me to do. I'm doing exactly what he wants me to, cause I'm a U.S. soldier fighting for the U.S.A. Oh glory in the U.S.A., oh glory in the U.S.A., would you believe I'm a Marine? <laughs> oh glory in the U.S.A., the red, white, and blue American way.
12: Good evening, folks. You're tuning to Cheap Tuesday's 101.5 UMFM, the Wayback Machine edition. We're uh, heading way back to the Vietnam era, and we started off with a classic uh, address to the public from President Eisenhower, warning of the military-industrial complex. That was January 17th, 1961, and uh, boy, that was some prescient stuff right there. Bob Dylan followed it up with "Masters of War." and uh, Rod McEwen from Soldiers Who Want to be Heroes, 1963 and 1962, respectively. And then another bit of dialogue uh, about the U.S. being at war illegally from a senator at the time named Wayne Morse, and this was uh, from August 2nd, 1964, uh, just showing that the U.S. is perfectly willing and capable of doing things this way, illegally, and have been for more than 60 years. You know, also showing the the central conflict faced by the government of our countries, the governments of our countries. Our populaces will never agree to sending our own people out to fight in a war or anything like a draft. Those days are behind us, I think. And if the U.S. ever officially declared war anywhere, the people likely wouldn't stand for it. And engaging war, as the man said, is illegal under the Constitution of America without an agreement from Congress. Uh, So then what's the solution? I mean, private companies, contractors, right? That's obvious in a capitalist society. Why wouldn't the market be involved in this when it's everywhere else in, in, in our lives? Or like what's happening in Ukraine. Find a country corrupt or gullible enough that you can convince them that you'll arm them and help them fight, thus only destroying their country and slaughtering their people, not your own. Uh, after that, we followed it up with two tracks. One, a ridiculous one, Morty Gunty, uh, There's a War. And then uh, Phil Oakes, uh, Talking Vietnam, both from 1964. And uh, 19s. The, the Talking... Jeez. The Talking Vietnam one, um, mm. starting off echoing over there, the World War I war song. I like that uh, nice bit of ironic twist of music there. Uh, the third dialogue, and actually the remainder of the dialogue, was from an ABC documentary produced during the Vietnam era. And I believe the year on that one is 1965. Uh, It's called the agony of Vietnam. Um, And that clip, I mean, sounding strikingly familiar Uh, early on in Vietnam. The U S was also only advising sending military aid money, but we all know that they ended up finding an excuse to get involved via a false flag called the Gulf of Tonkin incident. And you can look that up. All that info was made available uh, and and admitted to. Um, no less than the former U.S. Secretary of Defense, Robert McNamara, admitted that it never happened. So uh, it was just used as an excuse to get the U.S. into war. No reason why the same thing can't happen again. Right? Also, I love how the government official interviewed in there responds to the claims from the reporter that the u.s might not win a war in vietnam and he says sounds like communist propaganda to me essentially right uh, that was the 1960s version of that's a putin talking point so you know just a, again just repetition we're just repeating the same things over and over again um so after that we had a couple of uh, really well-known names pete Seeger doing The Willing Conscript, and Buffy St. Marie doing Universal Soldier, both again from 1964. And uh, then we had another dialogue clip from that uh, same um, documentary. Now, I'm not saying that there are direct connections here, but there are a lot more than you might think. It's it's worth thinking about the government in Ukraine and who it represents. Um, You know, there's a whole part of the country that don't feel represented by the government of the Ukraine, and they fought a civil war over it from 2014 till 2022. And I would bet a ton of people all over Ukraine right now feel the same way as the guy in the video said about Vietnam. It's not that they believe in the, that, that the U.S. is running the day-to-day operations of their government, but it's the U.S. way or no way at all. You know, so Zelensky has already canceled the elections next year, so if you're against the war as a Ukrainian, you can't exercise your democratic rights and vote him out of office. Meanwhile, all opposition media, political parties, even some religious organizations have been banned. I mean, it's a mess, just like Vietnam was. And if you pull out, the communists will be here in a matter of hours, said the guy in the in the dialogue clip, just like we have to do this or Putin will take over all of Europe. It's exactly the same kind of sentiment, not based in any kind of fact at all. Just typical propaganda and scare tactics that, again, were being used to the same effect 60 years ago. Um, and then we had uh, one song, Tom pa- Paxton from Lyndon Johnson Told the Nation, 1965. And uh, we heard uh, Last dialogue clip and uh, so in the 1960s they were spending $3 million a day on the war in the 1960s what do you think they're spending a day now 60 years later and what are they spending it on so in Vietnam it was $3 million a day to fight the war and a million a day to fix the areas that, that they helped destroy what are those figures now and, and who's doing the rebuilding, who gets that contract I wonder do you not think that there's a chance someone who's a friend of a friend who has, or somebody who's lobbied the government in some way is getting that contract? Seems likely to me, given human nature, greed, corruption. You know, I've heard the name Blackrock tossed around. I don't know anything about it myself. But the point is all of this money is being spent. A likely a lot of it is being wasted. And all of this, by the way, when we have people living in bus shelters in Winnipeg. And in the U.S., you know, Hawaii is left to burn and they're offered 700 bucks a household for losing their entire lives, basically. And in a new bill, the government has the nerve to to try to tie aid to Hawaii with more aid to the Ukraine so that one can't pass without the other. I mean, I just how long are people going to keep going along with this? What's it going to take to get some organized resistance to this war and push for some kind of peace plan? Because people just seem content to just kind of let it keep going. You know, and, and that's where those last two songs came in. They're uh, pro-Vietnam War songs. William Bell marching off to war and Jerry Reed fighting for the USA. Uh, and that particularly like the redneck element of that second one. You know, um, and there's always going to be people like that. But to me, it's surprising how many of those people now are what we used to f- what we used to refer to as the left. And, and, and it's, it's ridiculous to me that it's the left, quote unquote, that is like all in and brainwashed and smearing people as Putin puppets, engaging in McCarthyism, lying, not doing any research, not figuring out things for themselves. They're the ones doing that. And it's only from the right, for some reason, that there's even some resistance to it, which, which is ridiculous. Why cede why this territory to right wingers? This is something we should all be fighting for. Peace. So uh, this week, because uh, why did we turn to Vietnam suddenly, you're asking yourself? Well, I I watched a movie uh, when I was looking up stuff about torture uh, for last week's show and looking up some sort of famous movies about torture. um, I I wanted to try to watch some of them. And uh, the one that sort of came up first and that I had time to watch first, was one that I'd seen before. It's a Werner Herzog movie, and who I love. Love me some Werner Herzog. And uh, Rescue Dawn was a movie he put out in uh, 2006. And a really interesting movie. He also did a a documentary on the same guy. It's based on a real-life story. The guy's name was Dieter Dengler. He was a German-American pilot who was uh, shot down and captured by villagers in in, um, Laos, I guess, or Cambodia, you know, when they were doing illegal bombing of countries that weren't um, involved in the war, Uh, war crimes, in other words, and uh, one of those people is still alive, Henry Kissinger, he's 100 years old, but I don't see any reason why he should get to live out his old age in freedom, you know, put him in jail, he's a war criminal. So, um, rescue Don, great. Christian Bale in one of his earlier acting, uh, efforts, 2005, just intense and wild, uh, really good job. Now, of course, this is sort of a one-sided look and it, and it's, and it's sort of putting the, the, the bad guy on the, um, the Laotians here, and the people who run the, uh, the camp that he has to stay at. But, you know, like I said last week, I mean, all sides in wars do terrible things, which is why we should be anti-war because when we look back at history and we look at the things that happen and the slaughter of the innocent and the torture and the bombing of villages and you know, all of that stuff, both sides in a war do those things. There is no innocent side in a war. And if you don't understand that, you you haven't looked at enough history and I urge you, don't listen to the talking point of, ooh, I don't wanna do your own research. No, do your own research. Get, go to the library. Look up some books. Get some books on, on the Vietnam War and on uh, the Gulf War, the first Gulf War and the second Gulf War and, and see how terrible those things were. The Iran-Iraq War in the 80s. I mean, there's all kinds of examples of both sides doing awful, awful things to each other. As a human being, we should be against this. So if you want to see a great movie, uh, check it out. Rescue Dawn. The score was done by somebody named Klaus Badelt and you know not a a whole lot that I sort of feel excited about but but I do see like movies that I know K-19 The Widowmaker um, Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl Catwoman um, you know TMNT from 2007 the the one of the early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies you know so like like I said like not a lot that gets me super excited but uh, I did like what he did here. There's some great stuff. So I've put together uh, a series of tracks, and uh, hopefully you enjoy it. And uh, we'll talk to you here next week, 10 to 11 p.m., with another new show. This is Cheap Tuesdays. Take care.
5: This is how I remember Dieter Dengler. He always struggled to describe death. The moment when he was down to 85 pounds and had probably only one more day left to live and death crawled up on him slowly, he had the feeling of a pulsing lightness and time being slowed down as if in slow motion. We came up with the idea of ethereal and unreal-looking jellyfish in an aquarium. I said to Dieter, this is not the whole thing. There will be music. This whole underwater world has to be transformed into music. He most certainly had nightmares. The tons and tons of rice flour, honey, and beans stashed away under his kitchen floor were visible proof. Yet he kept his demons in check with an almost nonchalant attitude. On a mountaintop he gazed across a wide landscape of mountains, valleys, and meadows, and he seemed to look right through my wife, who was in front of him. She asked him, do you ever have any nightmares? And he said, honey, and he looked deeper into the distance. Honey, all this stuff in Laos was just the fun part of my life. He was fascinated by a tattoo parlor. He pondered over the question whether he should have a tattoo across his chest of a huge gate opening in the sky, and furious horses galloping out, and the coachman whipping them madly, a vision he repeatedly had had. I said, was it death whipping the horses, no, he almost shouted at me, it was an angel. This is how I remember him best, that was him.